<laughs> I mean, I think that's fair, right? But also, like, you don't have to be Brian David Gilbert, like, going through and reading every text, right? But that's my fucking problem, Aaron. I'm <laughs> compulsed to do so. Hmm. <laughs> I, we need to I- mod in just, like censor bars to yes. non-important text i Just need to go <laughs> i need like a little sticker on the books that says you can ignore this honestly mm-hmm. don't worry about it get your little head wrapped around what you're doing and then you can come back and read this later if you want Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I kept hitting the tilde key instead of the fucking tab key to open my inventory. <laughs> this week, we wander the world of Cyrodiil with the Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. Before we talk about mid-2000s game design, remember you can help us unmortify the legitimacy quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. What's your history with the Elder Scrolls? So, the first one I ever played was Skyrim, and no one can tell me I didn't give Skyrim a fair shake, because I put about 100 hours into it over three playthroughs, and I never ever, in the story, made it past going to High Hrothgar. Um, I tried Morrowind a couple of years back, but I think that one's just too out of date. I, I couldn't... Um, it's it's an aggressive game. Aggressive towards you, the player. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not I could not make it very far. Also because it gives you verbal directions to go places, and I, at that point, had unmedicated ADHD. So <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not a game for me. Um, and now we've played a bit of Oblivion. And um, I... Gorsh, I wish there was a tutorial. What's your history with the Elder Scrolls? Um, Oblivion was my first. Uh, I got I. Ba- this is back when we still had rental stores. Um, but like me and my custom my friends from from like middle school, I just got a PS3, rented Oblivion, uh, and then played through it just like in one or not in one night, but like we just spent all night playing it in my in my basement, and that was really fun. I have really fond memories of beating the arena with just summoned monsters i thought that was really really great um and then skyrim came out on my like near one of my birthdays um and my 16th birthday actually and um like we just played again friends from high school just played it while while at my house um and i have a distinct memory of like getting up early to play skyrim before i went to school and checking the hour count and it being like 90 and i was like I need to stop playing this game. <laughs> um, so, like, I like I like the Obliv- the, the Elder Scrolls franchise. Um, and, you know, I, I did play a little bit of Morrowind uh, at the request of, or at the recommendation of our friend of the pod, Marty. Uh, like you said, uh, about as hospitable as the surface of Mars. Um, very difficult game to play, but I'm sure there is some interesting stuff in there. Uh, it's just I can't put myself through that. Um but otherwise, yeah, I mean, I, I'm generally a big fan. I think some of the lore is racially charged, but, like, um, that's just that's just fantasy, baby. You can't escape that. Yeah. Um, uh, so the reason we wanted to play this is because we wanted to ask ourselves the question, 
is Oblivion a good on-ramp to the Elder Scrolls series? Um, and also, like, does it hold up mechanically? Uh, that's kind of, that's the co- that's what the conversation's going to be about, because we haven't finished the story. Uh, Aaron actually played a bit more of the story than I did, but I just needed a nap and had a bit of a migraine. Because otherwise, I would have also done the same. Um... But yeah, let's um yeah, let's talk about what we accomplished. Obviously, we got through the intro, right? Where uh, Emperor Uriel Septim saw us in a Patrick dream. Patrick Stewart, yep. How did it feel to be dreamed about by an emperor? Uh kind of sexy, not going to lie. Uh, I wish Patrick Stewart dreamed about me more. I know, um, I wish there was a dialogue option that just said lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um very funny. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, that's how it, that the game starts. Famously, you wake up in a cell, um, an elf yells sub slurs at you, depending on what race you choose. Um, which I guess is nice that he does it, uh, no matter what race you are. Uh, yeah, it's so like that, a, a Spencer's keychain. It's like, yeah, I exactly. hate everyone equally. <laughs> it's like, great. No lives matter. Excellent. Um, but then, uh, you know, the emperor and his cool bodyguards, the blades uh, have the escape route right through your cell. And the emperor's like, I've been dreaming about you. Uh, that's weird. Anyway, uh, don't follow too closely. Um, a bunch of weird, uh, Daedra cultists. Daedra are basically evil gods. Um, they, they show up and they assassinate the emperor. Um, the emperor entrusts you with the amulet of kings, which is a dragon fire amulet that, um, can only be worn by somebody who basically, like, is descended from dragons. There's a lot of, I watched a lot of lore videos. Um, I know way more about the Elder Scrolls lore than I want to. Now, I'm- I'm glad I'm glad you did because I did not know it was a dragonfire amulet and I could not wrap my head around why people gave a shit about it other than the ceremonial purpose of the amulet. Uh, basically, there's a bunch of towers and if they aren't lit by somebody who's like a blood relative of basically the the first empress of, of the world of Tamriel, um, well, the human empire or whatever, um, the psychic shields that let the Daedra in fail... Which is why the Oblivion Gates happen. Right. And I got that much. I just didn't okay. understand why the amulet mattered in that process. Now I get it. I mean, it's still a MacGuffin, no matter what, you know, no matter how you slice it. But like, yeah. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, you know, you do that. Um, and then I feel like we did the main part of the story, which is you you find the Emperor's um, son who is, you know... Uh, what is the correct way to say it? He's illegitimate, right? He's Sean Bean. Sean Bean, right. Um, Sean Bean, uh, we, we go and find him. His name's Martin. Um, he's just kind of a priest. Um, but basically, he is stuck in the city of Kavach, which is being besieged by a um, bunch of Daedra and, and weird little demon guys. Um, and they are pouring out of these big eye-looking gates that are, like, on fire and cool. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, Layla as a Dragon Age um Fan, fan, connoisseur. connoisseur is a better term. Um, I, I feel age, like Dragon Age librarian, I think. Actually. <laughs> right, um, scholar. Um, yes, I feel like that had a lot of similarities to that first mission in Dragon Age. But um, basically, you know, you you get into the realm of oblivion, you close the gate, um, you know, you fight your way through the city. You give Martin the amulet. He goes off to you know learn his purpose or whatever. And I feel like that is the similar place to high the place where you have to go to high rothgar and skyrim right you get through just enough of the story to be like okay um all right this i don't you know this all this fantasy you know great epic storytelling seems great 
Uh, but I'm going to go check out the hundred million other things to do now. <laughs> um, and I think that's that's probably a universal experience in many ways. Yeah. So again, I, that playthrough where I got the furthest in the story, which is I got my my cool dragon shouts in Skyrim. I had that was a sixty hour playthrough. I Holy did not, crap! That was just me doing dungeons, baby. So I think I think this po- this episode is gonna what I'm gonna talk a lot about me as a player, and the reason I'm gonna do that is because I want people to understand that not everyone is going to like your creative work and it might be just because they're a little freak um and it might not have anything to do with the quality of your creative work whatsoever because oblivion is a technical and narrative marvel for how old like it is a deeply ambitious game for that time period 2006 right um I'm trying to think of another, like, what is another big, cont- I'll look it up while you're talking, but, like, the the game's coming out in 2006, like, this was pre-Modern Warfare 4, which, like, defined my, you know, childhood, like, so this is, you know, this was a big deal. This was a huge deal. Uh, so, I will say, I was more compelled by uh, our good friend Martin Septim than I was by the old men at High Hrothgar. Um, I found him charming. I found him kind of solemnly resigned, and I like that in a man. Here's my problem as a player. My problem as a player is if some shit goes down and an emperor says he saw me in a dream, my first call to action there isn't, I should step up and save the empire. It's, I'm hightailing it north to Skyrim, bitch. This is your problem. I don't want to be the chosen one. I'm just allergic to that, like, story-wise. So that is why I wandered off in Skyrim for 60 hours. And frankly, if the map just, like, wasn't kind of out of date and hard to use in Oblivion... I bet you I'd be doing the same thing. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> so when I played through Oblivion again this time, because of the the format, right, I wasn't able to play it the same way, the format of the podcast, uh, you know, I wasn't able to play it the same way that you might really want to play Oblivion, which is, you know, slowly going through missions, playing it on like a, you know, uh, medium to easy medium difficulty Uh, i moved the difficulty slider all the way to the left basically so i was like i I didn't have god mode activated but it was essentially god mode like i you know i was level three and i was just taking i defeated the arena at level two Mm, um you were level three you say uh freaking i did a lot of googling of console commands Oh, yes. No, that's what I did this morning when I was like, I have four hours of Dark Brotherhood missions ahead of me. I unlocked the whole map, and then I just started teleporting, and then I gave myself level 100 sneak and lockpick. So that helped a lot, too. Oh, level 100 lockpick, baby. I was pointing console at doors and going, unlock. That's also (laughs) a little bit of that, right? You know, I I think I played enough of that, like, engaged with it earnestly enough to say, like, I kind of like some of the mini-games. Um... But, you know, like, I think we should also say up front, like, our, the way that we play, you know, we're not game reviewers. We don't have de- a lot of dedicated time to just play a super long game. So, like, uh, you know, we're not going to have engaged with this this product really the way you should have. Uh, but that said, like, I-, I think a lot of the stuff that even I did kind of skim through, I did kind of like, um, right? Like, I think that is definitely aged, right? You talked about the map just now. And, like, um, there, <sighs> the map is a little... Can you on it? What's that? 
Can you zoom out on it? No. Okay, that <laughs> you was have my to, problem. You have to like move or you have to like slide over and around, which I do think, right, that's that's definitely a, a big issue. Um, I had a lot of difficulty figuring out how the inventory system worked when I first started playing. I got I got I got it eventually, but like, you know, there there are some things that are like, okay, it's a little clunky for for, you know, and I think that's also right. This this is a kind of game that like you know, because it was a 3D big open world thing, like, I think that they were developing a lot more content than trying to, like, make the user interface more than was strictly necessarily functional. Um, so, like, th- there, there are some some gripes I have with, with how it's presented, but, like, there are so many interesting things about this that, like, I, I'm really willing to look past its age in a lot of, in a lot of ways. I mean, like, that's what I mean by the raw ambition of it, right? Because I feel like Skyrim, and now going backwards, Oblivion, um, and the fallouts are on a similar system. It was the first time I ever encountered what I think is really cool about these games, which is, like, the passive advancement of skills. Mm -hmm. So just by running around, you can level your athletics. Just by getting hit, you can level up your armor skills. Mm -hmm. And I think that is really cool. And that's what I mean by, like, the raw ambition of it. Because I was like, wow, sure, the menu's a little confusing, but... It's confusing because they tried a bunch of new shit, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see how that style of gameplay was really polished in Skyrim because Skyrim, to me, was a lot more intuitive in terms of, like, leveling. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can be a really cool stealth archer and it feels yeah. really good to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's, like, the difference between Oblivion and Skyrim as far as the leveling system goes, I do kind of like Skyrim's a little bit more because, like, you get level ups no matter what class you choose. Whereas in Oblivion, you choose a certain like character class, and then you only level up if you level up those classes like preferred skills. Yeah. Which, which, you know, it, it means that you are incentivized to only use those skills um, to to get more str- more powerful. And you know, I, I think that that's a little bit you know for for what I want to do in that game, which is just like, dick around and get everything to level one hundred. Um, I, I do kind of wish that it wasn't built like that but i can understand why you know especially when they are right a lot of crpgs like have to draw back their roots all the way to like you know i guess i don't know if there was ever a crpg version of a of the elder scrolls was it always like a i know i I have no idea actually what's a crpg oh a computer rpg um think of like uh pillars of eternity or divinity original sin like that isometric like kind of top down um you know point and click you you move around um the original fallouts were like this um is, is why i'm thinking about that and you know it's very difficult for me to separate fallout and elder scrolls in my mind because the first you know uh, kind of these kinds of role-playing games i played were fallout 3 and oblivion mm-hmm. um yeah but i'm just kind of trying to think about like how much of this takes its root from you know crpgs and therefore you know tabletop rpgs right dungeons and dragons of course right so i'm wondering if like that's why they had that class system to begin with because it seems like yeah maybe in eso they still have something similar but like skyrim there's no that none of that there um but i think it is an interesting way to present leveling and like 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 you said right when you have a passive system where you can you know whatever you do if you're using it like you just wander around and all of a sudden your athletics increases and you're like great i guess um or like you know as many you know if you hit people in a Makes sense to me. I walked around the mall for two hours in heels yesterday. I'm definitely sore today. Yeah, no, that makes sense. 
Um, right, but I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like I, I think that's an interesting way to present leveling, um, especially in, in a game where that is so much about exploration and just getting out there and seeing all the wild stuff that's in this world. I think that's that's probably a, a better way to do things. It's just kind of let you accrue levels for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, I really I really like that passive system. I think that's that's fun. Um, now, well, you did bring up wandering around and fucking around a little bit. And mm-hmm. here's, um, so again, I'm a little freak. So This is known. This is known. Um, so for me, I, I think friend of the pod, Marty, who again is like the reason we're doing this, pointed out to me that I have JRPG brain. So the thing about Western RPGs is that they don't have like a common gameplay language shared among them like JRPGs do. Okay. So when you talk about um, an RPG made by Bethesda is fundamentally different than an RPG made by Bioware. Um, And is fundamentally different than an RPG made by Lorian, is fundamentally different than an RPG made by Hooded Pillars, Obsidian. Which, Obsidian and Bethesda at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at this point in time, Obsidian, for example, did Fallout New Vegas. But at but the anyway. time this game came out, it was a little bit fuzzier. Muddy, yeah. Um, but, so, when you look at JRPGs, right? So, I was, I was trying to, like, parse my thoughts about this game with Marty, where I was like, it is so information dense that, like, I, I don't know what straw to grasp at as an on-ramp. Um, in terms of the mechanics, but also in terms of the story, where I'm like, there's so much going on, I feel like I need so much context. And Marty was like, well, you're JRPG-pilled, because I think, like, the elemental stuff in JRPGs isn't, you know, is is very dense also. Um, and I thought about it for a minute, and I was like, okay, what makes the, the like, have, why do I not feel like the elemental magic in Oblivion makes as much sense to me as elemental magic in, like, Final Fantasy. Mm -hmm. And it's because if you can figure out how to play Pokemon, you can figure out how to play most JRPGs Mm -hmm. because fire and water are opposites. And, you know, like lightning and rock or whatever. Like you get used to those things like elemental pairings and like usually a spell will have like three levels of evolution and they make sense, right? You got fire, fyra, fyraga. If it has more syllables, it's more powerful. What is the difference between healing of superior and legendary wounds, right? Other than the order in which you get those spells. But I didn't get them in any order because I cheated and I put all the spells (laughs) in my inventory. Mm. So... It's, you know, like, to me, I'm, like, without a tutorial that is, like, pretty thorough and hand-holdy, it's hard for me to, like, latch on to stuff like that. And Oblivion, and this is not just Oblivion, um, this is, um, I think this is a good time to note, tutorials are my fucking dark horse. Tutorials are my white whale. Because at one point, ten years ago, Dishonored set a gold standard for me. And I haven't been able to let it go since because I think a tutorial, Dishonor being the gold standard, because it sets one, it explains the mechanics to you, it sets your emotional stakes, and it describes your place in the world to you as a player. Oblivion throws you in a jail cell, says, hi, fuckface, an emperor had a dream about you. Press W to move forward and clickety-click to swing your sword. Have fun, you're on your own. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I, I understand wanting a little bit more, right? I, I think the tutorialization in in this game could have been a lot better. Um, but that said, I kind of like how little it gives you about the world. Like, there is so much lore about Elder Scrolls that you could completely ignore. You don't have to engage with it at all, and I kind of love that. I can't do that. I can't do That's my problem. <laughs> I'm a little freak, Aaron. I'm a completionist. So here's my beef. My beef is that, and Skyrim, same thing. When you have an item, this is, again, my problem, little freak time. If you tell me that a book is a key item in a quest, right? So, like, uh, I started the Mythic Dawn quest, and, like, you have to collect four books to complete that. Mm -hmm. If you tell me that is a key item with hints to a puzzle in it, then how are you also going to tell me that other books are fucking flavor text, right? Right. I need information to be prioritized for me because I'm stupid. So... I had the same problem in uh, Supergiant Games Pyre, which is has a bo- like a key mechanic of the the thing is there's like a book you can read about the the lore of the world. I I can't read that much in a game. My brain can't. It's I'm just bad at that. And so when you tell me here's a bunch of written information and I'm not telling you it's important, I'm not telling you what matters or what's flavor text, because apparently in a book. I hear tell today that the moons are God's body parts and you can just ignore that like that to me as a player, it drives me batty. (laughs) I mean, I think that's fair, right? But also like you don't have to be Brian David Gilbert like going through and reading every text, right? But that's my fucking problem, Aaron. I'm (laughs) compulsed to do so. Hmm. (laughs) We need to mod in just like censor bars to yes. non-important text i Just need to go <laughs> i need like a little sticker on the books that says you can ignore this honestly mm-hmm. don't worry about it get your little head wrapped around what you're doing and then you can come back and read this later if you want but but like that's this is what i mean by like needing a tutorial because if you're me and you're coming you're a little freak. You're coming off of, you know, years and years of JRPGs where everything is pretty streamlined, except, you know, unless you're like Xenosaga 2 or something, or everything is, is like pretty streamlined and like shares a common game language. Sometimes you need a button in the corner that says, hey, bitch, d- dipshit, press square and I'll teach you how to play this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And without that, I'm just lost. I'm just a little guy. I think that's fair. But, you know, I will say the vast majority of the time I spent was just like going to the red marker and being like, okay, I'm going to follow this until it turns green. And like, I do. I and then feel you like... end up stuck on the side of a mountain with your horse that makes you motion sick. <laughs> Listen, don't talk about the horses. We can't talk about the horses. Uh, <laughs> um, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, so I, I think we could try to transition from that conversation about lore and, and not important or non mission critical text to, um you know more about exploration and like you know if you weren't able to to you know ignore all the books you know what what were you able to you know find interesting about the ways in which this story does not incentivize you following the main like plot like were you able to like go and seek out weird little dungeons or you know did you just like meet interesting npcs or like tell me about your journey actually i feel like we've gotten away from the the track tell me what journey your character took uh, I, honest to God, I didn't explore. I did one side quest. 
Hmm. Because I realized you can just fast travel mm -hmm. to the marker. Right. Uh, so the one side quest I did, I did actually like. I thought it was fun. Uh, I found uh, this petty-ass merchant in Imperial City, and she was like, I think this new elf guy is stealing for his inventory. I think it's all stolen goods. And I was like, that's a pretty bitchy thing to say, but sure, I'll look into it, weird stranger. And then I went and I looked into it, and what happened was uh, the elf man did not know that his supplier was grave robbing to bring him his merchandise. Uh -oh. and, he, and he was very remorseful, and he was like, I did not know. I am so sorry. Uh, and joined the union uh, <laughs> after that. You know, he's now a union man. And I liked it. Because I like petty people, and that was fun for me. It was exploring a world, walking into a shop, getting roped into some gossip, and it ends with me beating some dude over the head with a shovel in a crypt. Uh, that kind of escalation, love it. The problem is, then I discovered you could fast travel, and I was trying to get through the quest. So there was no, like in Skyrim, there was none of that, like, or, or I can also draw comparisons to, like, your Breath of the Wilds, Fallouts, whatever. There was not really a moment where I was walking past something and going, ooh, what's that? Right, right. Because um, even when I found a location on a map, it would just tell me, you found this pillar, whatever the mm -hmm. name of a pillar is. And I'm like, okay, and? I need, I need, you know what I need? I need the Fallout New Vegas experience of riding up to Novak and seeing that fucking dinosaur on the horizon and going, now what's up over there? See, but I feel like you do kind of get that in Oblivion. Like, literally, once you leave the um, the sewers, right, the first thing you see is this, like, weird, um, like, temple thing right at the edge of the dock. And, like, you can go through it and walk through it. Now, granted, a lot of those are just kind of dungeons um, that have, like, maybe a little bit of... Um, you know, an interesting flavor and, and some items in there. Did you but have I do a wider feel... camera than I had? Perhaps. I did not see a temple. Um, you can check. I have a bunch of screenshots in our Google Drive folder. You can look through some of the stuff that I took to compare your your screen. But like, yeah, I I really do think that there there is more exploration that you can you can do. Like occasionally, like an Oblivion Gate will just pop up somewhere and be like, okay, I could I could run through that. Um. I kind of want to talk about what my journey through it, because mine was a little bit longer than yours, and I feel like my journey kind of exemplifies what's great about this this series, um, because, like, you know... You had a wider camera than I had. Interesting. I was playing in 4.3. Huh. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so walk me through your 16.9 experience, Aaron. Well, here's the thing. I started at... 16.9 and then I switched it back to, to 4.3 um, just because that was the default and it seemed to like that more. But yeah, you, you could definitely get more <laughs> in your field of view with the 16.9. Um, but yeah, basically what I did was as soon as I did all the Kavach stuff, I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to go do the arena because I like the arena and I think that's fun. 
went through the arena uh, because I'm playing on the easiest difficulty. I get through it pretty quickly, and the arena is just like a series of fights. Um, you know, you get paired against a bunch of different bad guys. Sometimes it's like three dudes with a spear. Sometimes it's like a, a mage. Sometimes it's somebody with like a cool piece of armor. Um, but you know, you have like a series of like 15 fights. Eventually you work your way up and you, and you win and you become the arena champion. And that's great. Um, but in the meantime, because you have to sleep because the arena is closed at night, um, you, I got turned into a vampire. <laughs> I see you encountered vampirism early. Yeah, no, like, I was literally, like, I didn't move from the place I was in. I just, a random event triggered, and I got vampirism by, (laughs) and, like, then that kind of, like, almost ruined my playthrough because I became a vampire, and I couldn't, like, fast travel during the day. I I couldn't wait. Uh, So, like, I was just, like, dying, burning in the sun uh, until I, you know, did a console command and gave myself a potion of cure vampirism. Uh, But, like, I think that's really fun that you can just kind of, like, have your whole shit ruined by... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by just a random event um and and another very fun thing that happened to me after that was that like i became the arena champion so i had a little man following me around my adoring fan uh <laughs> and uh he did unfortunately get killed in some sort of crossfire uh but he responds so it's fine um but like from there i you know i joined the dark brotherhood um and i did all these weird quests and i think the dark brotherhood quests are very fun um, because of the ways they like ask you to, to kill people in interesting ways. Um, and like that was, you know, that was the majority of my playthrough. But I, I do think that like there is something interesting about the way that the quests are designed here. Um, where like, you know, Arena is, is mostly straight up combat. And if you boil down Dark Brotherhood, it is still just like go to a place and kill someone. But they engage with it in like very interesting ways. Like sometimes they're like, okay, you have to go and find a person, but like you have to unscrew the, you know, mounted head that he's got on his wall so it'll fall over and kill him while he's sitting in his chair. Um, like that's really fun. Um, and th- there's a twist in the Dark Brotherhood plotline where, like, you are you meet this one guy, and he's like, okay, you know, you have to go and start killing all these people for me. I'm not going to tell you where they are, um, but there's going to be some dead drops, and you're going to pick up your your um, your assignments from these dead drops, and you start doing that, and you keep um, you know going through, and you you get these assignments, and you get these targets, and you kill them, and then at the end of your last one, the guy shows up, and he's like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? And, and you're like, what? Uh, and he's like, oh my god. You didn't know. You've been tricked. We've both been tricked. Somebody's been switching out the dead drops and get, getting you to kill members of the Dark Brotherhood. Um, and I was like, oh, shit. And then, like, you track this person down and you find out that it's, like, one of these, like, five main, like, groups of the Dark Brotherhood. And you try to go and tell this to them. But they've already taken your your mentor guy and, like, flayed him alive. There's a really gruesome screenshot of him upside down with, like, all his, you know, tortured to death which is really gross um but like that's like kind of an interesting and fun quest right like and that's kind of why i i make in our notes the um the comparison to uh bioshock spoilers for bioshock right the would you kindly it turns out you're being mind controlled by the guy over the radio to to do whatever you want like but i do think like that's that's a very interesting thing to get you to question like the player like you know we have this impulse to follow the little red arrow but then, like, you know, in the fiction, it's like, hey, because you followed the little 
little red arrow, you know, it turned out that you were being given, you know, evil orders. And, like, I think the the resolution of that plot is less interesting than the plot itself, right? If you can see, there's a screenshot of the, the evil person's diary who tricked you, and a lot of it's just, like, kill, 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 which is a little jokery for me, but, like, you know... I think there's some really interesting quest design here and like the fact that you can you can have all these stories and all these weird things and you know the Dark Brotherhood people like I I met and talked with them and like another thing they have you do is kill all the people in your initial Dark Brotherhood like line like your first guy asks you to do that because there's a leak and like I was, like, genuinely sad, even though, like, I, I had only met them because, like, of the way it's paced, you have to, like, and, and it also, the game encourages you to talk to these people to get hints on how to, um, you know, kill your targets more effectively, right? It's a very interesting way to to get you to invest in a group of NPCs that, like, no other NPCs stuck out to me, really, besides these Dark Brotherhood ones, and then they have you kill them, which I disagree with as a choice. I think it's kind of, like, silly to be like, okay, invest in these characters. Fuck them. You have to kill them now. But I think, like, uh, from the time, that's a very, you know, interesting way to do it and, like, would have been a very affecting plot. Yeah. Gee, you had a you had a much more varied experience than I had. Because yeah. okay, again, little freak time. Here's my fucking problem. <laughs> if you give me a little red dot, mm-hmm. and the dot says go north through this fog of war. What the game wants you to do is to take a road. And on that road you may encounter something interesting. And you may want to explore, you may want to stop. And take a look-see and poke around. Not me. If you give me a fucking marker and I'm going on a road and I get bored, we're off-roading. We're going north. And I don't care what's in my fucking way. I don't care if my horse is stuck goat-like clinging to the side of a mountain by the edge of its fucking horseshoe i don't care if i have to abandon that animal and crawl up the mountain like the fucking grudge completely vertically looking for the one pixel that will support my weight i do not care i am going north to the marker i am at this point bewitched and i'm in too deep to give up on my quest and find the road again that's my fucking problem. So if you give, I, I, I am just, I can't. I'm not the audience for sandbox games. Mm-hmm. That's my problem because I don't know where to go. The information is not prioritized for me. And unless you tell me, hey, dungeon prize at the end, I don't want to go in because it's <laughs> keeping me from my friend, the dot. See what my problem is? Too literal. Yeah, I think I think you might be right. I think that maybe <laughs> sandbox games are just not for you. <laughs> They're just not for me. Um, and that's and that's fine. Um, yeah, that's a shame because I do think you know. Listen, you you like what you like, but I do think that like there is a lot of very interesting stuff that like eventually right. I think a lot of the stuff that is in Oblivion and games like it like comes to influence the you know, the um, Elden Rings and our um, Breath of the Wilds because of, like, you know, sightline-based exploration and, like, weird bits of lore 
Um, I don't. I still don't think there's there's a franchise that does lore in quite the same way that that uh, Elder Scrolls does. But yeah, um, I think it really is just kind of like what you want out of an experience. Um, and if you want a definitely more like pared down like mission, well, that's the thing. You generally liked Elden Ring, right? I loved Elden Ring. It's one of my favorite games of all time. So what's the difference between Elden Ring and Oblivion for you? Well, 16 years of advancement and development. Start there. Mm-hmm, um, that's true. The, I think part of the, part of the problem is also age. So Oblivion, I'm sure felt great to play in 2006. Mm-hmm. It does it does not feel good to play in 2022 no um when i swing a big fucking sword in elden ring Ah. or when i charge up a big fucking spell i get that haptic feedback the animation feels good it feels like there's weight to it Mm -hmm. when i swing a little sword in uh it feels like you're (laughs) making a karate chop with your hand no matter what you weapon you're using and it's not like the gameplay animators did a bad job it's just the tech that was available yeah i mean this is a problem that can persist into skyrim too right it's just like that's kind of the elder scrolls style of of combat which is like you have a weapon but the bow in skyrim feels so good you think the bow in skyrim feels better than the bow here yes how so I don't know i think i think part of it is that like kill cam i love the kill cam the kill cam's fun um, I also love, I don't know, there's just something very satisfying about the sound of it, too, being pulled back, that charge. There's something about it that just feels better. But again, you have, like, advancements in tech, different console, five years, difference in development time. Mm-hmm. So it's truly, like, age is part of the problem for me. And then um, I also, again, this is an age problem also. I don't know if you remember Elden Ring. Um, but the scale of it is insane. Like, the scale of objects. Mm-hmm. I can miss things in the sight line very easily. I'm just, I'm just dumb. Like, that's head full of bricks. Elden Ring, the tree is big. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, mm-hmm. everything is actually quite outsized. You feel like you're in a land of giants. That's fun to me. Mm-hmm. The colors change. Um... And then I think the other comparison to like a, a, a kind of sandboxy game that I love dearly is Breath of the Wild. The thing about Breath of the Wild is that the exploration is kind of tiered and is rewarding in a uniform way. So mm-hmm. I could go, um, for example, if I'm exploring the jungle, there's a couple of things I can find. There's a moment in the jungle where you stand and you hear the little chime and you go, something's about to happen. And you turn your camera towards the waterfall. And a fucking dragon comes out of it two inches from your face. And that experience is so magical to me. I th- One of the best moments in that game is just finding that dragon. So that's a reward. Reward number two, you find a little fish- fishing village. There's little things to do in there. That's very fun too. Reward number three is you find the fucking temples. And that is a uniformly rewarding way to explore because you know, no matter what pieces of lore you find in what area, no matter what little hints at Link's past you find, what memories you find in any given area, you also find a fucking temple. The temple gives you points 
to upgrade your stamina and to upgrade your health. So there is a uniform incentive to explore. Whereas I don't like going into a situation not knowing what I can get out of it. I don't know if that's a me thing. I don't know if it's a Scorpio thing. Maybe I'm just a particularly exchange-based and mercantile kind of player. But if you're like, a dungeon, what shall you find? And I'm like, could be nothing, not going in. So uh, I mean, to to be the uh, Oblivion defender, I guess, <laughs> um, right? I would argue the, the as far as like, you know, health and, and stat upgrades, right? Because of its uniform or rather, you know, its leveling system, you know, no matter what you do, as long as you're doing shit, you, you get those same level ups. So I'd argue that's kind of similar, right? If you are you are incentivized to just go dick around and explore because no matter what you're doing, you'll always be leveling up. Now, I do agree Breath of the Wild's, you know, explorations are much more pointed and well art designed, similar with, you know, um, Elden Ring, right? Like, you can't really compare um, the technology and, you know, the scale um, of Elden Ring to Oblivion. You know, we, we, we played our Elden Ring for countless hours, right? We were always just talking about how, like, well it draws the eye. And Oblivion can't really do that, although I do think it, it does pretty well for what it was working with. Um, but that said, like, I, I really just do think that, you know, Oblivion is maybe not... You know, I don't think it does it as well as either Elden Ring or um, Breath of the Wild, but I do think it. There's a lot of similar stuff. Like maybe there's not, um, you know, big cool dragons coming out of nowhere, but like there are just like weird random things you can stumble around. Like one of the things that I really wanted to figure out that I never did, I stumbled across a man in front of a, a statue of Sanguine, and he told me, um, "Hey, bud, uh, I." Come, come back here when you're level eight, um, and you can hang out with me and my cult. Uh, we drink wine and we fuck. Uh, and I was like, oh, I want to hang out with you. <laughs> that seems great. Um, like that, that's just something I stumbled across. Uh, another thing that just kind of happens, right, is like the the way you initiate the Dark Brotherhood quest, which is like if you murder someone, that automatically starts the Dark Brotherhood quest. And like you don't know that, you just get like a weird message, it's like somebody's seen your evil murder, you little pervert, um, in the dark in the corner of your screen. And then you go to sleep, and when you wake up, a man is standing over you, and it says, Hi, uh, you want to become a professional murderer? And one, the Oblivion camera scroll whenever you talk to an NPC is unparalleled. It is always the scariest shit I've ever seen in my life. You are always zooming directly into their faces. And I think that's a, a thing that consists that persists even into modern-day Bethesda things. Like I, I think even some of the preview images for Starfield do that, where it's like zooming right into their face and being like, hello there um but like i really do think that oblivion has a lot of interesting design um like you know like like i said with the vampirism stuff like that's just completely random um like just like a like i sometimes like a random npc will come up to me and be like hi here's a i've heard of you here's a weird thing that's going on and like you know maybe it's a little clunky but like that stuff doesn't happen in, in games as, as recent as Horizon Forbidden West, right? Like, and, and I think it goes a long way to making the world feel alive, even if it's all scripted, right? I, I think that's that's one of the strongest things about Oblivion, and I think it really did, in many ways, inform the design of, like, more open-world games, right? Like, the reason that Breath of the Wild was such an important thing was because it had this fresh twist on open worlds, but, like, you know, the Elder Scrolls and Fallouts of the era are the things that pioneered, you know, that laid the pavement for that change. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, the importance of these games and just, like, the advancement of the that style of gameplay is incomparable. Like, right. 
I think, interesting that you bring up Horizon. That's another game that did not get me because I, like, the, there was too much information coming at me too fucking fast about the world, about the combat, about everything. And I, like, onboarding a user into your world is, like, so make or break for me as a player that it is something I am just constantly looking for as somebody who now works in games and is like, okay, how do you do this in like a fun, inventive, engaging way? And I, it's just like, I, if I remember correctly, it's been, it's been like a hot five years since I've played Horizon Zero Dawn. But um, if I remember correctly, it was just a lot of reading. Yes, that is correct. Pop-ups are death to me. Um, I think pop-ups need to be used sparingly. They can they can make or break the pace of your tutorial. But also, if you're not careful and they're too dense, um, I I'm not gonna read them. I'm just gonna say I'll figure it out, and then I don't, and mm-hmm. then I stop playing your game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I. These games had to, I'm going to say skip. They didn't, they didn't crawl or walk. They did pretty fucking good, right? Like, again, super impressive for 2006. Listen, the the difference between, this game is playable. Morrowind, I cannot. <laughs> Morrowind is hostile. Yes. Morrowind is hostile to, and you know what else is hostile to me, the player? Ico, the predecessor to um, Shadow of the Colossus. Colossus, yes. Ico, I could not get past the, like, first yeah, I'm dumb. I'm just <laughs> stupid. I should be. If you need your game play tested to see if just an idiot can get through it, send it to me, okay? I'm smart in a great deal of ways, but I'm also impatient and also just a little stupid. So if you need like a brick to tear through your build, it's me. I'm the brick. Throw me at it. So, like, you know, it, 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 I, it's a me problem. It really is. But, uh, you know, I I need to be so... Because, again, the other thing you bring up is like, oh, like, you can go and talk to these random NPCs. I'm like, why was I not enticed to talk to everyone? And it's, once again, that, like, lack of prioritization of information for me. Because if I bump into enough people that are just called Guard One, I am not... I am no longer looking for people with names. Right. Mm-hmm. So... And again, that's kind of a tech problem because you can't give a ton of people cool outfits or make like dense crowds if your engine can't fucking handle it. Or not even your engine, if, if the hardware that the end user is going to be playing on can't handle it. So I will say this. I think after having this conversation and after talking to Marty a little bit before we recorded, I would like to give Oblivion another swing. I want to, okay. I would like to go in. I'm clean. I think I'm, I'm going to go ahead and restart. I'd like to go in clean. I'd like to do the thing the game wants me to do, which is take roads and explore and, like, poke around. Um, that also means I'm probably not going to finish it for about a year, right? Because once I get exploring, I don't stop. It's I, I'm a switch, not a dial. I, I have no balance in my head. I would like to give it another swing because it sounds cool based on the experience other people have had with it. And sometimes that's what it takes with me. Sometimes someone has to convince me 
to like and show me the world through their eyes and take me on a magic carpet ride to show me the the good of something um but if you're a player like me and you're a brickhead dipshit from clan jarhead who just wants to be pointed at a thing revved up like a little hot wheels car and told to go old sandbox games probably not for you i think fallout new vegas is probably as early as you should go because like i said you can look at a thing and go why is there a fucking dinosaur there and that's the level of obvious that i a dipshit need amen (laughs) um so in that vein right if we were to um congrats we've both become the head we've we've killed and overthrown todd howard uh we have become sorry (laughs) Sorry, todd uh your time had come uh we are now designing the elder scrolls 7 um how are we going to you know make this interesting and you know what, what will we do differently you know based on our experiences with oblivion and uh and skyrim you know what would we do um or even doesn't even we don't even have to be you know, making seven, we could be just making any big fuck off fantasy game. What do we want from our fantasy games that make them interesting um, and big that are, you know, maybe drawing from or inspired by stuff we've taken from the Elder Scrolls, but also different and distinct from it? Do you have a, do you have any ideas? So I think firstly, it's probably, I, I think it's really great that there's, you know, 300,000 words of, of just extraneous lore uh, that you could read in books in, in the games, but I wouldn't do that, frankly. Uh, I think that we would, ha- we would have to go more of an Elden Ring, uh, f- um, Breath of the Wild style, so a lot of sideline-based exploration, right? You know, big towers, big stupid landmarks, um, try to, like, really give our art director a lot of... Um, a lot of leash to hang themselves with as far as like making sure that whenever you are standing in a place, you can see another place and be like, Oh, I want to go there. Um, and then again, like maybe, you know, obviously make the tutorial a little bit, you know, really nail that, but maybe like, Hmm, like maybe not have a main storyline. Like, I wonder if there is a way to just like, you're not a protagonist. You are just kind of here. Here's a bunch of weird, like just all side quests. Cause I feel like people get bored with the main story. And I feel like that's where, where you, you lose folks. Okay. I actually think our ideas kind of dovetail. Okay. Hear me out. You play. It's just a guy. Mm-hmm. And the main quest is happening in the background interesting and you literally cannot engage with it beyond getting the fuck out of the way hmm so if you've watched jenny nicholson's four and a half hour masterpiece video about the park evermore that's the experience i'm fucking talking about you walk in and the story just kind of happens around you. And sometimes maybe you're in a crowd and maybe you're, you're in an angry mob and that's your participation, right? In the main story of what the fuck is happening around the world. But you, you're just on the beach with your metal detector, baby. You're just trying to make a living and get by in this cruel, cruel world. We are getting dangerously close to inventing Grand Theft Auto roleplay servers, but I think this is a good place to start. Yeah, but, like, make it Skyrim. Yeah, exactly, right? Just make it fantasy, and that's great. That would kick ass. Hey, from what I understand, 
that is basically what people do in Final Fantasy XIV, right? As they, they, especially in the roleplay servers. Um, a lot of people I know have a lot of OCs for, for Final Fantasy that are not the warrior of light. They're just mm-hmm. kind of guys. And uh, what, the other thing I know about my friends who like Final Fantasy XIV is those guys fuck. So. I was going to say, they're all sexy buddy men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... Uh, not a so, bad life. Yeah, there should be more sex in, in the next Elder Scrolls. We'll make that. We'll start a change.org petition. I uh. have a fun. Okay, so a fun story about Skyrim. Um, mm-hmm. I'm the, my first couple of playthroughs. I married like a nobody apothecary called I think Quintus was his name. Sure. For um, because and I cannot prove this, but his voice actor does sound like Jason Marsden, the man who has bewitched me since 1994. So. That is the voice actor of Max Goof and Kovu from The Lion King 2 and Haku from Spirited Away. Um, I see. There's just something about that man's filmography where every single dipshit punk he's ever played, except Max Goof, I would say, uh, has uh, bewitched me heart and soul. So um, if you need to know the depth on which I operate, it was that I built a beautiful little life with that apothecary based on the sound of his voice that I cannot prove or disprove was Jason Marsden. Well, uh, shout outs to James Marsden. Uh, Jason, call us. James Marsden is the guy in Sonic. Huh. Hmm. Jason Marsden is different than James hmm. Marsden. Yeah. I see. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right. You're completely right. Um, <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I was on a completely wrong Wikipedia page. Excellent. Well, James Marsden <laughs> uh, plays a lot of straight men across from animated uh, protagonists in movies. Excellent. Great. Um, well, Layla, when we are not trying to look up extremely sexy voice actors on Wikipedia, uh, where can we be found on the internet? You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter and Tumblr. Um, I don't know. I'm on social media less and less these days. What about you? You can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, or you can find my main website at aavoit.com, where I talk about uh, tabletop RPGs, writing, and health policy. Um, you can listen to the other podcast I do that's at The Bible Boys. We will have an episode out hopefully soon about the uh, Whoopi Goldberg film Sister Act, which I'm very excited for. Uh, genuinely love that, that film. Is that what you were tweeting about Sister Act today? Sure was. I uh, love that <laughs> fucking movie. Uh, very good. I think it held up quite well. Um but yeah, um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko uh, from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, mm-hmm. you know, after we've had a long conversation about video games, what I always like to say. Ah! Oh no! I just got some vampire skills added! I gotta go! Oh, well, bye. <laughs> <laughs>